Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. I wanted to go ahead and ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start reading from verse 20 all the way to verse 21. So there's two verses that I want to highlight for us as we talk about the vision that God has given us for 2021, as well as all the way through 2022. As you're finding that passage, as you also note that we have notes in our church app, so you can go ahead and look that up. But I wanted to start off with a question. How many of us have ever felt that we, could do, we couldn't do something because of some kind of limitation that we have? It could be anything from maybe our IQ, anything to resources, or maybe just some things that are blocking us or hindering us. I'm wondering how many of us have felt this sense of limitation. But then... You realize later on, because someone else has done it, that it's possible. Now, many of us, we know that it's easy to compare and forget to look at who we are and what God has given us. And that's why some of us are still stuck in terms of what we're able to do and what we're not able to do. I don't know about you, but uh, when you think about the Guinness Book of World Records, I don't know how many of you have heard of that. Uh, It's kind of interesting because it started back in 1955, and it was simply called the Guinness World Book. That was what it was called, or or Book of Records. And it was published yearly to list out the world records of human achievement, just to highlight all the different things that human beings that in our, what we thought was a limitation that we were able to accomplish. And now the Guinness World Records, as of 2021 edition, it is now in the 60th six, or is that right, 66th year and in its publication. And I thought it was interesting because it is published in 100 countries. We're talking about many different nations, so 100 countries in 23 languages and over 53,000 human records that have been accomplished over the years. Now, some of you know um, that not all these records are something that you want to try. Uh, maybe some of you are being bored and you don't know what to do after this pandemic is going to be finally over. And so you're wondering, maybe I should give that a try. Now, just to let you know that this is now the international community's official authority of all the records that has ever been reached or those things that they want to accomplish. And then we follow this. And if you want to break any of these records, you got to make sure you check with the Guinness World Book. So let me give you some that maybe some of you are interested in. This is the most tattooed person in the world. I don't know if you can really see it. Uh, He has spent over 1,000 hours, 1,000 hours of body modification to get his body in this way. Here's another one. It's the naked roller coaster riders, right, in the theme park. Uh, This is supposed to be the most ever, uh, 102. 102 riders on this roller coaster. I think they just connected all these carts together. And then here's another one, the longer fingernail. Uh, Just to let you know, on the right hand, this person has 9 feet and 7 inches. And on the left hand, 10 feet, 2 inches. I'm still mesmerized by this. Uh, How many of you are looking at your fingernails at this moment? You know, like, I think I got to cut it later today. Here's another one, the most famous, uh, I guess this is the most amount of people applying facial masks. How many of you guys enjoy putting on masks? Okay. They're all putting it at the same time. That's the trick. And it's 1,213 people doing this. And guess where? Ah. Well, it depends on how you look at it. It's in Taiwan, all right? It's in Taiwan. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey I, nothing political here. I'm just saying it depends on how you look at it. And uh, why did everyone guess Korea? It's Taiwan, you know. <laughs> they have all those people speaking Mandarin so nicely and little petite. Anyway, so. And I thought this was the best. I like this one. I wish I could do this. It is a, <laughs> it is the tallest mohawk. It's three feet and 8.6 inches long. This dude is from Japan, out of all places. I think sometimes it's really hard to believe in some of these records until you see them 
with your own eyes. That's why what I wanted to do is show you this really quick video of just random stuff that people decided to do, and they actually broke the record. So let's watch this together. Can you imagine 3.87 seconds from A to all the way to Z? That is incredible. I don't know how they do it. And that's almost two days of playing video games. Some of you are like, I'm almost there. I'm going to practice really hard. I think many of these world records were made by people who didn't think they could do it. Uh, they didn't want to allow different things to hinder them, so they said, I'm going to give it a try. I think a lot of these people, I was thinking about what is the psyche of these people, like the mental, the mindset of some of these people. And I realized that they're the kind of people that says, oh, that can never be done. Then it becomes a challenge for them, and they decide to go ahead and do it. I'm wondering for some of us, what are the things that limit us? What are some of the things that hinder us from accomplishing the things that God has for us? I, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about so many of us and myself and maybe just the hours of people that I've counseled over the years. And I realized that a lot of us, we do have limitations. I mean, that's just a fact. We all have limitations because we're human. But also, I think we have limitations that we put in ourselves that I believe that it needs to be broken in our lives. Let me give you some that I think oftentimes hinders us from achieving great things for God. One of them is we don't want to leave our comfort zone. Some of you are such a, uh, you're addicted to comfort. That's, that's the best way I could put it. That anything that inconveniences you, anything that will make you uncomfortable, you're not going to do. And let me just tell you this, as a person who's lived life a little bit longer, there's nothing in this world that's worthwhile that you will look back and say, wow, it was something that I really, I'm so thankful that I did that was not uncomfortable. This is the reason why some of you are stuck, not only in your life, but in your spiritual life, because you don't want to be uncomfortable. You love comfort. And this is going to kill you in achieving the things that God has for you. For some of us, we're afraid of failure because we don't want to fail, so we might as well not even try. And I've seen this oftentimes in people, and this hinders us in not only doing great things for God, but even in our spiritual walk. Why even do soap? I'm already a month behind. And you're trying to do it really quickly so you can catch up with everyone else, but it doesn't work that way. That's why some of you are unfaithful and you haven't been doing it because somehow you think you're going to be exactly on the day rather than saying, I miss some days, I miss some weeks, so I'm going to just go ahead where I left and I'm just going to be faithful in doing it. The problem is no one's telling you how messed up that is in some ways where you don't do it just because you haven't reached where everyone is right now. As if you're somehow supposed to be growing at the same level as somebody next to you. So what do you do? You don't do anything. So it's your mindset that limits you and hinders you from experiencing all the things that God has. Here's some other ones that I was thinking about. Some of you are so negative and so pessimistic that in your thoughts, no matter how hard you try to look at situation, it's always something, the first thing is something that's negative. I think it's connected to fear of failure. I think it's connected to a lot of other things of comfort. But some of us have such a negative mindset in everything. That everything is going to doom. It's not going to work out. Something bad is going to happen. And so you don't try. Here's another one. Some of us, we just have low standards, and we don't want to put the effort in that's required. Oh, this is just good enough. How many of you have Apple? Raise your hand. A Apple products, raise your hand. Almost 90-some percent of you. Go repent. No, I'm kidding. I, don't worry. I'm just kidding. Ever since, the only Apple product I owned was the iPod. But as soon as I got Spotify, then, well, those of you who don't know, I didn't know my family had Spotify until I go, do we have Spotify? Yeah, Dad, we had it for a long time. Why don't they tell me? I don't know. I don't know. So these family accounts, you know? <laughs> if Steve Jobs was still here, and if you think about the Apple product, if it was just good enough, many of you would not be using it. Just think about life. And those people who have achieved 
great things and have done incredible things. It's not just about just good enough. They go above and beyond people's expectations, what they expect of themselves. I think this last one, I think is a really eye-opener because I was thinking about this even in my own life and so many other people. I believe another reason why there's limitations on the things that you can do for God and the things that you could accomplish in your life because we are surrounded by people who push us down and hinder us from doing those things. Some of you don't even realize, think about the people around you, the five people that you feel closest to. You've heard of that phrase before. You are the average of the five people you're hanging out with. If all the five of those people that you're friends with, they're just kind of very comfort-oriented people, then guess what? You're going to be just like them. If the people you're hanging around with, they're all obsessed about money, then what do you think you're going to be obsessed about? I mean, this is the fact of life. Which, by the way, is a little push for in a couple of weeks, we're going to have this thing for you college students about friends. The people you are surrounding yourself with will determine your destiny. I believe that. The subtle ways that they influence you, the subtle ways they come and say different things to you. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, I don't know if you should do that. Or why are you doing that? As I mentioned, today is Vision Sunday. And I think it's important to kind of lay out for us the vision that I believe that God has for us in 2021 and 2022. Let me just kind of share a little bit of the process of how all this thing come about, because a lot of us think like a pastor is just sitting in a room and, you know, meditating, and then a vision comes down. It doesn't work that way. What we do is this. Some of our top leaders in our church, we have this summit called the Executive Team Summit back in May. And during this time, what we do is we spend time listening and praying and trying to hear from God what it is that he wants us to do as a church. Before we set the budget, before we do anything, we're trying to listen to the voice of God. And as we spend this time discussing and listening and trying to figure out and asking God to reveal that to us, one of the things that we do is we look at the things of the past. What did we accomplish in this past year? or in the past couple of years? What are some things that God pulled us through? What are some things God allowed us to experience? And then we try to look ahead and to see, well, if those are the things that we've gone through just recently, then what, what is it that God wants us to do as we look ahead into the future? And so after a lot of prayer and discussion and trying to discern the will of God, we believe that the vision for our church, HMCC of Hong Kong in 2021, starting today, all the way through 2022 in the new season in September, it's simply going to be called Beyond. So everyone turn to somebody next to you and say, Beyond. Now, some of you are probably thinking, oh, what does that mean? Well, pretty much we want to go beyond our limitations. We want to go beyond the things that we see here and now and to ask God to give us the faith to believe that he wants us to go beyond what we're experiencing now. I think for some of us, it's, it's going to challenge you to, to not only go beyond yourselves, but to go beyond some of the comfort zone, as I mentioned, some of your failure mindset. You have to go beyond this perspective that you have and to begin to venture into some of the new things that God has for you as well as for your life group and for this coming year. And that's why today we want to go ahead and go over this passage that I've had you turn to, which talks about God's love and God's power that will help us to go beyond and to live by faith. So here's the one thing. The one thing is simply this, that God causes us to respond and to live by faith to go beyond. So once again, it's his love that causes us to then respond. We've got to respond to God. And we do that by living by faith and going beyond where we are right now. So I'm going to highlight two things for us as when it comes to living by faith and going beyond. Now, this is very crucial because a lot of times we're like, yeah, I want to go beyond. Yeah, I want to do all this stuff. But unless you understand these two aspects of who God is, we're not going to be able to get there. So once again, it's a reorientation this morning of your mindset and of my mindset and our churches collectively as our mindset so that we can then see that this is the kind of God 
who's calling us to go beyond what we see and where we are right now. The first thing is this, if you're gonna live by faith and go beyond, is that we have to believe and understand that it's God's power that enables us. God's power enables us. I'm gonna go ahead and read verse 20 uh, in chapter three of the book of Ephesians. And in fact, I wanna just try to encourage some of us to even start memorizing these two verses because I think it's important for us as we think about this theme throughout this year. This is what it says in verse 20. It says, now to him, uh, let, me, let me read it again. It says this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Let me just pause here and expound on this as we talk about how God's power enables us. Before we talk about this verse, we have to see this verse and the next verse in the context of what Apostle Paul was sharing before. Now, in the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul was reminding the believers of who they were in Christ, who they were, uh, that they were once this way, but now because of who Jesus Christ is and all that he is offering, all the heavenly blessings are now ours. That's the whole chapter one that he talks about. The exciting thing about the book of Ephesians is that he talks about our identity in Christ. And then he talks about now our intimacy with Christ and how we relate with him. And so then as he's talking about all these things, he's reminding us because of who Christ is, these are the ramifications for your life. In the previous verse, or if you want to look at the previous paragraph in verses 14 through 19 what he does is he begins to lift up a prayer for the believers to be rooted and grounded in God's love many of you know that passage very well he talks about the multi-dimensional aspect of God's love he talks about how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God and then we come to these two verses, and it's almost like a doxology. Some of you heard that word before. It's like a closing praise to God. So as he's talking about all these things that we have in Christ, and then in verse 14 through 19, he's talking about God's love, multidimensional. It's long, it's deep, it's high, and it's wide. As he talks about this, now he comes to these two phrases or verses, and then he talks about giving praise to God. Now, let me just pause here and make a really important comment that you need to understand. And I hope you see this when you do your Bible reading. The reason why he closes out this section in chapter three with this doxology and praise to God for all he has done is because if you know this book, in chapter four, chapter five, and chapter six, he's going to lay out things that you got to do. He's going to give exhortations and challenges of how you ought to live your life as a Christ follower. Now, listen to me very carefully. This is what we call the gospel paradigm. It's not about what you do, but it's about who you are. And what you do doesn't determine who you are, but it's because of who you are, it determines what you do. Are you with me? Turn to somebody and say, pay close attention. All right, come on now. This is very, very important. I would say majority of you in this room, if not all, and especially if those of us who are here and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I will say this is the paradigm that you operate under. And many of you who are call yourself Christians, if you're not growing in Christ and many of you are still trying to do a lot of stuff for God, I want to challenge you to think through this. Many times we do all these things for God because somehow it's a very transactional relationship with God. God, if I do A, B, and C, then you're going to do X, Y, and Z. That is what we call a human paradigm. That is what is consistent and common in all religions where you do all these things for God and just hope and believe that he will do something for you. This is the reason why Christianity is the most unique religion out of all religion. In fact, I will go as far as to say it is the unique religion out of all the religions. Why? Not only because of what Christ has said, but the Bible tells us that all the things that we do is because of what we have already received from God. There's a difference. Think about a relationship that you have. 
whether it's with your parents, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's your girlfriend or boyfriend or even a friend that you consider pretty close. Can you imagine in that relationship if every single time that you have to do the right things in order for them to love you, in order for them to accept you, in order for you to feel secure? Now, all of us have been in those relationships where if you don't bring home the A, then your parents will be upset. So you quickly equate ever since you were a little kid that unless I get all A's, my parents will not love me and they will not accept me. And that is so ingrained in you that it's so evident, especially because grades have become your God. Your functional God, that is where you receive the affirmation and the love and everything else that you're seeking for. In the same way, some of you grew up in a family that every single time you spilled milk or you did something wrong, your parents will yell at you. They will punish you. And so right away as a young child, you quickly equate the idea that if I make a mistake, then my parents will not love me. They will not accept me. I'm no good because some of them are even verbally abusive to you. They call you stupid. You're an idiot. And you, you should have never been born. And those words stick to your heart. You can say, oh, it doesn't bother me. That's a lie. Because look at the way you handle criticism. Look at the way every single time someone brings up something and you totally get defensive and you close in. Don't tell me that it doesn't affect you. It does. So your whole life, your whole life, it's all about doing something so you can get something. And you bring that mindset into Christianity. This is the reason why you think to yourself, if I have soap, if I do soap, if I pray, if I serve, if I do all this stuff, then somehow God will love me more. He will bless me more. And I'm going to tell you right now, he will not. He doesn't have to. He might, but he doesn't owe you anything. You do those things because you love God and you want to know him more. And many of us operate in this kind of mindset. No wonder religion is just something that you just do. Rather than something that you believe in and it transforms your life. And this is where Paul is saying, the gospel paradigm simply says this. You are so sinful. You are so evil in your heart. You have sinned against the holy God that he should destroy you. He should literally destroy you because of your sinfulness, because he is pure and he's holy and majestic. But instead of destroying you, he loved you. He created you. So what did he do? He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come into this earth and live the perfect life that you could not live. And this perfect man of God, the, the the God of the universe came into this world, the God-man, and he died on that cross. That should have been our cross. We should have been crucified. We're, should, we're the ones who should have been flogged 40 times minus one. We should have been the one with the nails in our hands and the nail in our feet. We should have been crucified. But Jesus took our place so that we don't have to face the punishment. And when we look at that cross, and we think about what Jesus has done for us when that should have been us. It should humble you. It should cause you leaving in a sense of wonder and awe. Why in the world would God do something like that for a sinful person like me? And in that kind of your, your mind being discombobulated, you don't know what's going on. You're, you're confused and you're looking at this. This is one of the most scandalous religion. How in the world... Can a holy God die on the cross when that should have been me? And he did it for me. And all he's asking me is to put my trust and faith in him. And it's in that very moment when you realize with a heart of gratitude, God, thank you. Thank you for loving a person like me. Thank you for dying on the cross for a person like me. And now your whole life, it's not yours anymore, but it's his. Listen, I think if some of you really understood God's love for you, all the things that God is telling you to do, it's not going to be a burden.
that's not going to be a burden. In fact, you will go the extra mile to try to find ways to not only obey God, but to love him and to serve him. This is the reason why when I see people not wanting to serve, they're sitting on the sidelines, pretty much not only have they forgotten the gospel, but they're living their life for themselves. So here's Paul. He's about to go into chapter 4 and chapter 5 and chapter 6 and unleash all these commands of how to live your life. But before he does that, for the first three chapters, all he's talking about is who we are in Christ, what we have received freely when we don't deserve it. And I was thinking about this more and more, and I was thinking, man, so many of us, no wonder there's so much insecurity in our lives. No wonder so many of you struggle with low self-esteem. No wonder so many of us, we struggle with this lack of trust and uncertainty in our lives because you don't know the love of God. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. I have seen it time and time in all my counselings and lives. I've seen it in my own life. When somebody experiences the love of God, we're talking about a 180 degree change. We're talking about someone who used to be shy. They could talk to anyone in public. Somebody who always had anxiety, they can have confidence wherever they go. When you understand the love of God and you experience that, not just intellectually, which is part of it, but you have gone through it by through experience and you feel it, you know it, sometimes in the context of life group but other people loving you when you don't deserve to be loved. You go, oh, maybe this is what love of God is. It's even more perfect than this. When you begin to experience the love of God, it will transform your life. That's why I love what Henry Blackaby said in his book, Experiencing God. He says this, because you know God loves you, you should never question a directive from him. It will always be right and best. When he expresses his will, you are not just to observe, discuss, or debate it. You are not called to wrestle with it as many do. You are to obey it. Do you see what the problem is? Too many of us try to obey it without really experiencing God's love. That's why you can't. That's why it's a burden. That's why you don't, come, you don't want to come out to church. That's why you don't come out to life group. You don't come out to life group activities. It's just like, why? But when you've experienced the love of God, then you realize not only is this like incredible for me, I want to share this with every single person that I meet. That's the motivation. That's why we obey. That's why we follow. He jumps into verse 20 after all this. And there's a couple of things you notice in this doxology as he tries to describe who God is, because it has to start with your understanding of God, that he's able. The first thing he says is that God is powerful. Everyone say, God is powerful. He focuses in on God's power just throughout this whole book. Let me just give you two instances that I think is very important. In chapter 1, verse 19 through 23, he talks about God's power in resurrecting Jesus from the dead. That's, that cannot be humanly done. It is through the power of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, he talks about God's power in reconciliation. Listen to me right now. You cannot reconcile with people unless the power of God is convicting you. There are some of you right now who are living with broken relationships, walls being built up. And a lot of it is because people have sinned against you. You have sinned against other people. And think about this world and all the hatred, all the vitriol, all the things that are going on. Like you try to figure out, oh, let's try to have peace in this world. You cannot have peace without the power of God. So he talks about the Jews and the Gentiles, the non-Jews being reconciled together. There's no way, even the conflict right now in the Middle East, 
That cannot be reconciled. You know how many thousands of years they're trying to bring peace in the Middle East? Apart from the power of God. So he says the Jews and the Gentiles coming together as one in unity. That is through the power of God. That's why he says the phrase, now to him who is able. The focus is not on us. The focus is on God. Because he's the only one who is able to do anything. I think the problem with many of us is that we focus too much on ourselves and what we can do. And I think this is the reason why we go to two extremes. We, either we get really proud because some of you are very talented. Every single time I meet a very intellectual person, I, I, mean, I mean, I meet a good handful of them, especially working in college students and working in just different fields. It's, it's interesting when I come across some of these really intellectual people, you can just tell they're proud. But the reality is that the smarter you are, you should be more humble because you realize that you might be better than everyone else, but the God who created you is infinitely wiser and more knowledgeable. You're not God. When you meet people who are very talented athletically or they have certain kind of background, they have a certain kind of physique or they have certain things that everyone wants or people desire, it's amazing. It's hard to find humble people when they have all these talents and giftings. Apart from Jesus Christ, unless they realize that they don't deserve anything and of who God is, many people, they take pride in themselves. So you get a bunch of people on this extreme. And then you get a bunch of people on this extreme who might not be as talented, who might not be as smart, who might not have a certain kind of background and certain kind of privileges that some of those people over there might have. So what do you think these people? It's still pride, because let me tell you why, because a lot of people don't think, oh, they're so lowly, they're so, they're not humble at all. They're, the, they're even worse. Listen to me, why? I'll explain why. Here, I can understand, yeah, you are good, you know? You have reasons to be proud. But here, they're low self-esteem, they, they compare a lot. They get jealous easily. They have all these issues in their lives. But you know why they're so proud? Even maybe more proud than these guys? Because what they're saying is, God, you, don't, you didn't know what you were doing. Why did you make me this way? Why couldn't you make me that way? Can you, can, you, can you imagine the arrogance of us telling God, God, you didn't know what you were doing? Why did you make me this way? Why did you put me in this kind of situation? Why did I go through all this stuff? As if you're smarter than God. That's even scarier than over here. So you either get proud or discouraged. Where's your focus, can I ask you? When you think about a situation in your life, when you think about the future, where's the focus on? Is it on you or is it on God? That's why the more you know who God is, it will give you confidence no matter where we go and what we go through and what we'll face. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, and the ESV says this, Ah, oh, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing. Do you trust in a God like this? Do you know the God that I'm just describing right now? The Apostle Paul wanted to go beyond this human mindset that we're so limited. But if you know God and how great he is and all the things that he can do and you focus less on yourself, less on the circumstance and you focus more on him, you're going to start building this trust that I believe that God is able. I believe that this thing is just temporary. God is going to do it. This is why in different translations, I want, I want, you, to, I want you to look at this phrase. Now, now to him who's able, only God is able. And the next phrase is to do far more abundant, abundantly than we, all, than we can ever ask or imagine. I want you to think about that phrase. All that we ask or imagine or think. What he's saying is that God is so able and is so different from us that whatever it is that we're thinking about, whatever it is that we're imagining, whatever it is that we're asking God to do, it says he will go beyond that. Paul is saying that God is able to do all above all 
abundantly above all and exceedingly abundantly above all. If you look at the translation, you'll see that it's in that mindset that whatever you think it is, he's going to go beyond that. And whatever you think that's beyond that, he's going to go much more further beyond that. That's why I listen to some of these other translations. The New King James Version says, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. The NRV says, immeasurably more. So even if you were trying to count and try to measure it, he's going to go beyond that. The New Living Translation says this, to accomplish infinitely more. How big is infinite? I don't know. It's forever and ever. And in the New American Standard Bible, it is, and I want us to read this. It says what? Far more abundantly beyond. Hence, we get our theme. That far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. God is so powerful that even the concept of what we think about and what we're about to ask, it's just too small. I'm going to just read different translations and you don't have to read the yellow with me this time, but I want you to just look at those words. It says, do super and abundantly more than all we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams. What is it that you're praying about? What is it that you're hoping for? What is it that you're dreaming about? If you would look to God, it says he will go beyond that. Listen to what the voice translation says. Do so many awe-inspiring things. Immeasurably thing, immeasurable things, things greater than we can ever ask or imagine. When was the last time you were all inspired? You were like, wow. Where you didn't even pray, but that God somehow turned circumstances around and you're just like, wow, there's no way I could have done that. Because I was trying to talk to that professor. I was trying to talk to my boss. I was trying to talk to my parents. But I was trying to talk to my kids. But all of a sudden, you just realized it was out of your control. And somehow, somehow, miraculously, something happened. And you just realized, wow. That's what the Bible is teaching. Do you believe that he is able? That he is powerful? that he's able to take those things in your life and turn around. In the last translation, it says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request and your most unbelievable dream and exceeding your wildest imagination. When was the last time you actually dreamt for God that you thought about, wow, God, if I could do something this great for you, that will bring you honor, that will, people will come to know you. I always thought about that. That's why I said, whatever you do, do it with excellence because then it will give you a platform. Now, you guys know that in the Olympics recently, a couple of these Hong Kong, local Hong Kong people won a medal. I was just amazed at the unity it brought to Hong Kong. And like I said, I don't know if they're believers or not, but can you imagine with that kind of platform to then now talk about your faith and your relation with Jesus Christ? I have said, if some of you who are in science, if you are able to find the cure for cancer, can you imagine the platform that you will have? Like, what is it that you're dreaming about that's beyond what you can just imagine right now? And how awesome it will be if you believe that it's God who has given you those things. Not only God is powerful, but you got to believe that he's the provider. If you're going to believe that he's able, you have to believe that. You have to believe that he's powerful and that he's the provider. God who is powerful is now providing us with the same power. Listen to me. This is important. This is where it's going to pinpoint to why we do what we do. The word power is dunamis. We talked about this several times, even in the past, which is mentioned in chapter 3, verse 7. And this power is working in us. That, that word, if you study it, means energy. That's why you, we get this energy, not from ourselves, but it's through the power of God. And you see it in these different uh, verses in chapter 1, verse 11, and, chapter, and verse 19, chapter 2, verse 2, chapter 3, verse 7, chapter 4, verse 16. That's the same word that you will see all the time. It is this power that we have now that God gives it to us. He's providing us this power. So Paul knew that without this power, we can't do anything. That's why he says, to, as we look to Christ, 
that he is unto him now to him who is able. Not us, but he is. It is this God who will then work this power in us. It's the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. And this power is working in us. That's why I think we've got to be learning how to connect with God. See, the problem is many of us, we're not plugged in. We're not plugged into the source. And that's why a lot of times we try to do things, but we can't do it because we're trying to do it on our own strength. John chapter 15, verse 5, it says this, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen to this other translation. I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your what? Everyone say that. Come on. Source. As your source. Fruitfulness will stream from you within you. But when you live separate from me, you are what? Powerless. You don't have power when you're not connected with God. That's why when you read the scriptures, when you pray, when you're in community, that's where the strength comes from. I'm wondering some of us as we think about how God's power enables us. Do you believe this? Do you trust this? Trust in this God who's powerful or do you trust in yourself? What are some areas of unbelief where you don't believe that God can really do it? Is it your family? Is it your situation at work or at school? Let's just be honest and say, yeah, we don't believe it. We have unbelief. Is it maybe to change you, some of the things in your life? Because you don't believe it, that's why you're not going to depend on him. You depend on yourself. He's not able to do it. I don't think he's going to be able to do it. So you know what? I'm going to just trust in myself. This is how many of us operate. Let me close with the second thing as we talk about God's, we finish talking about God's power enables us. The second thing is this. You know, the more you understand his love, and you respond to that. And then you're going to start wanting to live by faith to go beyond where you are. Not only do you believe in God's power to enable you, but the second thing is this, that you believe the idea of God's glory. And it's going to encourage you. Let me talk about this really quickly here. I think it's really exciting to get ex just really amped up when you think about all that God wants to do in you and through you. Listen to me carefully. I think the problem with this is that there are many of us in this room that we want to do things because it is about ourselves. This is why it's really hard because sometimes ambition, that ambition sometimes can be kind of convoluted in, into our own desires and uh, ambition. But yet somewhere inside our hearts, we, we know we want to do it for God. And that's why I think it's easy to ask for things that will not bring glory to God. I think that's one of the best ways you can check. Whatever you're asking God to do, whatever things beyond your imagination and all the things you're praying for, how do you know if it's for you or for the glory of God? And I will simply say this, that no matter what the result, can you still in the process praise God and give glory to God? That's how you'll know. Because you know that anything that you venture out into, there's going to be things coming at you, challenging you. But do you believe that God is going to help you through that process? So that's why the phrase, to him, as we look at verse 20, uh, 21. Let me just go ahead and read verse 21. It says this. It says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. What he's saying is, it's to him. All this power, everything that we're asking, all the things that we're imagining, we're thinking about, it is to him. Now, who is to him? As you look at the scripture, you realize he's referring to God the Father. Because all glory is due unto him. And then we see what, from this idea, we need to give glory to God. And what are the areas? And he clearly lays out for us. How do we give glory to God? First of all, it says in the church. I thought this was interesting. He could have said, give glory to God in your life. But he says, to him be all the glory. And he says, 
in the church. Why is this important? Because earlier on in chapter 2 and even into chapter 3, he's talking about this unity between the Jews and the Gentiles. And then he says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is being displayed. Can you imagine that when you look at the church, even though it's imperfect, the wisdom of God is being displayed. People, when they step into the church, they, just, they should see the greatness of God. So therefore, it is in the church, not only the manifold wisdom of God, but it is the church, which is the, if you want to look at the sphere or the domain in which these praise will be lifted up. That's why everything, not just the singing, but from the word to our prayers and even in life group, because that's also church. In everything that we do, that's where the glory can be lived out. It's not just in the church in the sense of in a building, but whenever people gather together in Jesus' name, we are the church. Everyone say, we are the church. That's why we're able to then, in the church, give glory to God. Not only in church, but it says here, by Christ. When we give glory to God, we know that everything is through him and because of him. We have to remember this Christ is the head of the church. That's why it's by Christ, not just by ourselves, but by Christ. That's because he is the head of the church. That's why he goes on and he says the phrase throughout all generations. And it's translated as of the ages of the ages or unto all the generations of the ages of ages. Let me just pause here and say this. This is the reason why we have in our mission statement or vision statement about reaching the next generation. Because we always talk about how Christianity is literally one generation away from extinction. So if this generation doesn't proclaim to the next generation, that the next generation will not know God. And that is so true when you look at the places around the world. I don't know how many of you from Europe, that's where many of these things, the church got started. And now it is a post-Christian world. Somewhere along the line, we have failed to disciple people and reach out to the next generation. That's what's happening in the United States. Because they're not reaching the next generation. So they're not able to know who God is. And so it has become so secular and it's become postmodern and in a sense post-Christian. Now to me, I mean, we could lament, but it's an exciting opportunity to share the gospel. Just think about your campus. If one class fails to reach out to the next class and then they fail to reach out to them, we're talking about two classes that have not experienced community and whatever we're trying to do, it can, it can go. Or God will raise up some other church and other groups to come in. Same with those of us who are in the city ministry. Every year we have new people coming in. And if you're not discipling and you're not reaching out to the next generation, then once again, that ministry is going to dwindle and it's going to struggle. We have a responsibility not only for our generation, but to reach the next. And this is the reason why I believe as we talk about this theme of beyond, we want to be focused not only on God because his power is is the one that's enabling us. But also to focus on God's glory. Because that should encourage us. Not, it's not ab about us. It's not for us. But it's for the glory of God. So once again, the one thing is that God's love causes us to respond and to live by faith to go beyond. I really do pray that this year you'll experience more of God's love through community, through your times in the word, through prayer, that you'll grow so you won't get proud because you think you're great. It's because of Jesus. That's why you have the things that you have because of all that he has given to us. And then you will not start complaining to God, why can't I have this? Because you realize he has given you salvation. He has given you eternal life. He has given you all the spiritual blessings that are in Christ. And that will humble us on both sides to come and to say, God, now, I want to go beyond myself, beyond what I see, beyond what I'm doing, and I want to see you do great things for the glory of God. I'm going to give some next steps, and next steps 
we're going to do is, first of all, let me just first state these two, and then I'm going to kind of uh, have Pastor Bo come up and expound this a little bit for us. For the first one, and I'll explain what we're going to do for the second one. Uh, today, we need all of you to respond. As we're talking about Vision Sunday, uh, it will be a tremendous, a tremendous joy to see not just a handful of people participating in this vision, but it will be awesome if we can have every single person claims this church to be their church home. And this is your spiritual family while you're here, whether you're students or whether you're in transition, as you call this your spiritual home, we're asking all of you to somehow get involved in whatever you can contribute in whatever time, whatever energy, whatever it is, to be a part of what God is doing. So the two things we're going to ask you to do is to participate with us and to pray with us as we envision this coming year and going beyond where we are. So I'm going to go ahead and invite Pastor Bo to give us some instructions for the participation. I just wanted to share some of the ways that we want to pray together. And I was just thinking about why why is prayer so important? Uh, we didn't cover the verse of prayer before in Ephesians 3, 21, but if you look at Ephesians 3, 18, 19. What does Paul do right before he says, now to him who is able? He prays. He says, my prayer is that you will be able to comprehend the love of God. And that was hugely encouraging. You know, that prayer actually makes a difference. And one of the prayer requests was more men, and I've heard that we've had more men in our church. Praise the Lord. So some of you who are sitting right there are answered to God's prayers, or our prayers to God. And so we want to believe that prayer is really going to transform and allow us to go beyond. Without prayer, we shouldn't even think about it. But it really starts with our dependence on God. And so the first way that we want to be able to pray together is through a Beyond Prayer campaign. And... Uh, some of you know that prayer doesn't just happen overnight, but it's a consistent, dependent thing that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Something that we're constantly dependent on, God. It's not just you lift up one prayer one time, but it's a daily practice that we want to cultivate in our lives. As, as we pray for this part of being beyond every single day, that's what's going to really transform us. So uh, we want to pray in, in accordance with Ephesians 3. Uh, verses 20 to 21. And so with that, we want to pray every day together at 3.20 p.m. for two minutes, all right? Two verses, two minutes. And we're going to pray for different areas of our lives. You can do this with your LCG accountability. You can do this with people that you're in discipleship relationships with. Send them a message to say, hey, I'm praying for this. And these are the different areas that we want to pray for because we realize that our lives, there are so many different aspects of our lives that we want to see God help us to go beyond it. We want to see what he can do beyond our imagination, what we can ask or think. So those couple areas are, uh, and we're going to split it up in just five, five different days and five different spheres of our lives. And that, those areas are going to be one calling. Where are you personally called to? Your workplace, your school, your classmates. What is it that God is doing in your life? How can he help you to go beyond just the paycheck or just beyond the grade, but to see what God is doing in your own life? The second one is in community. In your life group, what is God doing? How can he go beyond the things that you're experiencing right now to see flourishing happen, to see people come to know Christ? The third thing, on Wednesdays, we want you to pray for the church. Because our life groups are not just isolated islands to themselves, but we are part of a bigger community. We want to pray for the church and what God is doing here so that we can reach things like the bold vision, to see new uh, life groups. Like we prayed for BU and, and Baptist U and City U and Voila, God delivers. We want to pray for Shinja. We want to pray for all these different things that God is doing. We also want to pray fourthly on Thursdays for the city. We want to develop a presence in Hong Kong. And what can God do in, in spite of all the political upheaval that's happened, in spite of the pandemic, what can God do beyond our imagination for our city? And then lastly, fifth, we want to pray for the circle. And those of you who are new, who don't know, our vision has been connected to the circle. This region in this part of the world, centered right here, where more than 52% of, uh, of the whole world's population lives in this area. What would it be like if God could use us?
as we reach the city, to reach cities and people, millions of people all around us. That's something we want to pray through on Fridays. And as we pray for those five things, I know some of you, you know, you were here last year when we did the Shine Prayer. And I think one thing that we realize is sometimes, it's, you know, we're praying for the same thing. It's easy to go through uh, the, the motions. But in order to go beyond, we realize it has to be something that starts in our heart. It has to be a postural decision that we have to make. So in order to go beyond, we need to pray that our heart's posture would be beyond or beyond. So we're going to use yond as an acronym to give us four things that we want to pray for in our act, in our posture in our hearts. Uh, those of you who don't know, yond is an old English term. You can look it up in the dictionary. It just means something further over there, something that we can't quite see yet, but it's something that we're aspiring and hoping to. And we believe that as God is cha cha changing our hearts in these areas, that he's going to help us to go beyond in the spheres of our lives. So the, the acronym beyond is, number one is be yielded. Humble before God, where we just say, we, God, I can't do anything. We're dependent. Sometimes we've got to be still in solitude and say, God, how can I just see what you're doing? The second thing, O, is be obedient. We need to pray that our hearts would be obedient, coming before God and saying, God, I can't, I have to do what you're calling me to do. I, it's hard and I can't do this on my own, but Lord, help me to obey. Third thing, the N, is be networked. Be networked, going beyond ourselves, being connected to other people, putting ourselves out there. Loving on others. How can we be connected in our hearts with other people, with other believers, reaching out to other pre-Christians in our lives? So that heart posture to say, God, how can I be networked with others? And lastly, be declarative. Be declarative. Lord, you've given me this message. You've given the, me this, this purpose. How can I declare your truth, your, your gospel message that fuels everything that we believe? so that someone else can come to know the love of Jesus Christ. And so as you go through those four or those five things, Monday through Friday, those different spheres of your life, as I'm praying, just for an example, I'm praying for uh, my community, my life group. As I'm praying for my life group, I'm thinking through, Lord, how can, I, how can I be yielded? How can I be obedient? How can I be networked? How can I be declarative? And use that as just a, a guideline to pray just for two minutes with someone else in a group or WhatsApp, whatever you want to, however it is helpful for you just to be able to do that. Uh, second thing, so that's the Beyond Prayer Challenge. That's something that we want to be able to encourage all of us to participate in. The second thing that we want to do is have monthly Beyond Testimonies. And this is uh, just an encouragement for all of us. We're going to have different ways, the different ministry teams are going to contribute in different ways for us to be able to share testimonies of what God is doing, helping us to go beyond. We also want to invite our different life stages and campuses and ministries once a month to share a testimony of what God has been doing. And I know many of you have been encouraged by hearing all the things that have been happening the past month as we had some of the campuses and life stages share. We want to continue that and give some of you an opportunity to share what God is doing during those times. And then thirdly is the Beyond Prayer Time Capsule. Pastor said it's going to lead us in the response to actually describe this. But one thing that we really believe is we have to pray bold, big prayers. Like I mentioned before, earlier on, like when we had those prayer requests that each of the campuses and life stages shared, those are some bold prayers. I, I don't know, I guess men, having men is a bold prayer, right? In the church where it's dominated mostly by women. Or having a new life group. Or having, you know, radical disciples that are gospel fluent. Those are bold prayers that we're seeing answered now. And we want every single one of us to have a bold prayer that we can write down, we can pray through, and then we want to keep it and put it into a capsule and then actually share it with you at the end of the year to see what God is doing. So uh, that, those are the ways that we want to pray together. So I'm going to have Pastor come back up and share with us how we're actually going to respond. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Uh, let's do this. We're going to go ahead and hand out the cards. Can we do that? Uh, if you don't have something to write with, a pen or a pencil, you can kind of slip up your hands and they'll try to get that as well. Um, we're going to do something called a time capsule. Those of you who don't know what that is, is simply writing down different things. Uh, sometimes it's, it comes in all different forms. You could make a commitment. You could write down some wishes or things that you would like to see. Uh, but for us, the way we want to use it is this. Because this theme for 2021 and 2022, because it deals with things in the future, and we believe in this God who works in us and through us, we're going to ask you to write out 
a prayer that's not only for yourself, that you want to see God do something beyond where you are right now, or something that you are imagining that God's going to do in your life uh, and to break free of some of those things that you believe that this coming year He's going to go beyond where you are right now. The second part of the prayer, okay, let's try to listen first, okay? If you start writing and stuff, you're not going to know what to do. This is where you're, you don't get good grades at school, all right? You got to pay attention and listen to instruction before you start because there might be a little twist in there. So the first part is for yourself. Whether things that you're struggling with, things that you've been wrestling through for years, you want to ask God to help you to go beyond that. So if some of you have struggled with, let's say, addiction, say this, this year, I want to believe I'm going to be set free from this. It just could be anything that you're wrestling through with. Or it hasn't even happened yet and you're just dreaming and you're thinking, asking God, what is it, Lord, that you want me to do? And maybe God has put something in you, a desire, or maybe a, a vision right now. And you're going to write it out and say, God, I want to go beyond myself and do this. So that's the first part. Second part is within the context of our church. Because once again, the praise and glory to God is in the church. It doesn't mean that you got to stay in the church or it's only on Sundays. But the church is not a building. It's made up of people. So it could be something related to your life group. It could be something related to the circle that we talked about. It could be related to anything that we're doing together as the body of Christ. What is it that you want to see corporately that we want us to experience together? So dream big. Ask God to do something incredible. I, I, I know what I might put in there. Give us a building, Lord, you know, and uh, something that we can, we're going to believe by faith and an open door will happen. Somebody just says, you know what? God told me to give it to you for one Hong Kong dollar. We're like, amen, and we'll receive it. So pray something bold. Pray something that's going to be beyond you, God's power. you got to know who he is and that he is the provider and he's the one who's powerful and that his glory will be displayed corporately together. All right, so can we just spend uh, just a couple minutes? Let's, I'm going to ask us, let's do this. You've been sitting there for a while. Let's stand together. So before you write anything down, Let me, let me just quickly pray for us, and then I'm going to give you about a minute or so just to listen. I think sometimes we just start writing things down. That's why we have a hard time being faithful to the things that we write down. Because it's not from God, it's just from you. I think we need to spend about a minute just listening. Let him put things in your heart. Because those are the things that he's going to do through his power. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to give us about a minute to just listen. And then afterwards, I'm going to then encourage you to write something down. After you write it down, we're going to ask you to come forward and look at this as the altar of God. And we're going to put that prayer into these jars. And it's going to be like a time capsule that we're just going to keep. And hopefully, you'll be with us for the whole year. And then afterwards, we want to send it to you. We want to give it to you and really see if did God answer did God work? Did he do things in your life even beyond and more? That, and I, what it's supposed to do is supposed to encourage you to build faith. Uh, those of us who are watching online, there's a Google form so you can fill out and participate with us as well. And uh, after you write it down, then I'll give another just indication whenever you're ready to come forward and just slip it into these two jars that we have. And these are going to be the time capsules. And then you could just pray when you go back, you know, and just say, God, I can't do this on my own strength or power, but I need you to do it. And then you can do it that way. All right? So let's go ahead and let me pray for us. Lord, I just pray that you will open up our eyes to who you are in your power, in your might. Lord, you are able to do all things immeasurably more and beyond what we can think or ask. So we are asking you right now that you will just give us a revelation Give us a greater understanding of your heart. And whatever we're writing down, these are prayers that we believe that you're going to answer. Apart from you, we can do nothing. So as we write some of these things down, we ask that your Holy Spirit will speak to us.
speak, Lord. And I pray that there will be many prayers of faith, many prayers of just of your greatness, that we will see great things happen because of who you are. We thank you, Lord. Do your work, Lord God, right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.